Should I do the the pose? Not quite. I don't have any chains. Jazz Chisholm is the uh, MOB cover boy. We'll briefly touch on that as well as the passing of a Cleveland sports baseball particular icon. Uh, some top 100 prospect lists. And so much more on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff Ellis. Uh, we were talking before. Justin and I are both players of MLB The Show. If you are not, uh, well, then maybe it's not as interesting to you. But uh, the Jazz Chisholm news was, to me, shocking. Uh, interesting bit of information. We'll just kind of handling it here on the upfront uh, so we can give most of our time to the passing of an icon. Uh, I also have to say that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com backslash locked on today to get started. Your thoughts on Chisholm? Chisholm. Um, I, I don't know. He was my second choice, to be honest with you. I I uh, was a big fan. I thought it was going to be Julio Rodriguez from the Mariners. I, I have, I don't know. I'll save some of my thoughts for the after show. Let's say that. I think it's a, it's a fine choice. Um, but I had other thoughts. Yeah, it's just weird for a guy who played 60 games, right? Like, wasn't that his total this yeah. year? Yeah, like, essentially know, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so to, to get back into, you know, the, what the meat of this first segment here is going to be, I hate super fans. I hate them with a passion, um, born of someone who used to be a Browns fan. For the most part, super fans are something I cannot stand. They make themselves bigger in the game, all of that stuff. The antithesis of that, was John Adams, the original super fan who was always humble, was always kind. He was never someone who tried to make himself bigger in the game, bigger in the team. He just tried to make himself, he didn't even try to make himself part of it. He became part of it organically through what he did. And he is, you know, the best super fan that I can ever think ever existed. And it is a term, you know, we hear unfortunately more and more, but he was a super fan and just a superhuman. Uh, by every single account that came out today. Yeah, very unfortunate news. I think we knew that John wasn't doing well for, for quite a while, unfortunately, and um, hadn't been to a game since 2019. Obviously, the, the pandemic in 2020 didn't allow anybody to go, and, and he was even offered, I think, the opportunity mm-hmm. to go to the games and just drum from the bleachers at his normal seat because he'd be far enough away from anybody. It wouldn't yeah. matter, but he said he didn't want to go until all fans were allowed to go, so... That says a lot about him, I think. Um, and obviously, you know, health problems the last couple of years. So unfortunate. The ballpark really hasn't been the same. I, I can say from the games I've attended the last two years that it's been a noticeable difference without him. I think a lot of people who have been going for a long time look up to his seat and notice he's not there. You don't hear him. It's it's very different um, if you've been coming to the stadium for a long time. And I've been going to games since I was – I think the first game I ever went to was in 95. Uh I was only born in 89. I didn't get to see any of Municipal Stadium, unfortunately. But, um, I, you know, he's always been part of, of going to Cleveland baseball games. And I think my favorite part, I don't, I don't have, like, any personal real memories with him. Like, I met him, and I banged the drum at Tribe Fest in the past. And 
um, have interacted. Like I've gone up to the top of the bleachers and, you know, and other people have gone to see him. Um, but I always, I always enjoyed like out of town fans and out of town players who would always notice the drum. Like over the years, people, like other, other players would comment about that and fans of other teams would be like, gosh, that guy's so annoying. I always thought that was cool. Like, you know, other people heard it, they noticed it and, you know, it kind of felt like an home field advantage, right? Like everybody noticed what he was doing. Everybody knew who he was. And I think he made a great point about super fans too. Like, I definitely, there's a lot out there. There's some Browns ones. There's some Ohio state ones. Uh, I don't, I don't particularly love those either, but John Adams was not a, not a super fan in that sense either. He was, like you said, extremely organic, just the guy showing up, loved the team. He was here the worst times to the best times and doing what he did every day. And he was gracious to every single fan. I mean, every fan that came up to him, he let him, you know, hit his drum. How many people are going to allow you to do that? And I don't think you're going to see anybody like him for a long time. I mean, how many stadiums are letting people bring in instruments these days? I, th- I think more should. I think it's fun. But it was extremely organic. And, uh, yeah, Cleveland baseball will never be the same, truthfully. So, thoughts and prayers to his family. Yeah. It, you know, he bought that. Was it, uh, you know, you read the story today for 25 bucks at a garage, garage sale. Show, yeah. And then his first game was, let's see, I just had it here, uh, August 24th, 1973. And if in I, I couldn't get this confirmed, but 2019 was his final season and he went to the final home game. He would have been there to see Cookie Carrasco pick up a win against the Philadelphia Phillies on September 22nd. Because while Cleveland had a rough stretch to end the year, it was back to back road series. So I am hoping that was his final game. It somehow feels appropriate to be there with Cookie, one of the guys who was kind of one of the most long running recent pitchers, one of the more beloved people in Cleveland seeing Cleveland get a win. So in my mind, I'm hoping that's the case that he was there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm they'll probably, I, I'm curious to see if they'll pipe in the noise, the drumming, how they'll make it. I know he's part of the hall of fame. Uh, the, you know, the, the he's got his bench um, that I was reading about in the, in the drum, but I'm curious what else they might do, how they'll honor him at some point this year. You know, a, can they do like a bobblehead? Would his family appreciate that? I mean, that's the thing you got to make sure they they would. But it's like, feels like there should be some kind of John Adams bobblehead giveaway this year. Everyone loves a bobblehead. Like I saw some people talk about giving a little drum, but let's like let's let's make him a bobblehead. Let's you know let's make it so like his his actual visage is immortalized as well. So it's oh, not yeah. just the drum; it's him. That's what I would like to see is, is a bobblehead giveaway. That'd uh, be like yeah, and one it's like everyone gets. Like because it's John Adams, it should be like not like the first right. five or ten thousand, but it should be like I, I don't even know what capacity is anymore as they keep changing things. Whatever it is, it should be the capacity crowd. Everyone gets that bobblehead. And uh I'm not one to do a petition or anything, but I think that's the way it should go. It should be him holding the job. Let's let's not just immortalize the drum, but let's immortalize the man because there there was never never a negative, not once tied to him and he was tied to this organization so deeply and again it's like it's not just what he was as a constant like as ingrained with his baseball team as like everything else but it's like he was also just uh, you know an 80 grade human by every account that came out today so i think you want to honor the person as well as what he meant to us all that's a great point like i said yeah everybody like who wanted to come up and like touch his drum and, and hit it once. He let them. He was always gracious with all fans from, from all ages. Didn't matter. So absolutely right. If they did some sort of like 
giveaway be great for the proceeds to go to something the proceeds of the giveaway to go to something uh that would have been special to him or his family even uh i've seen people suggest like um some sort of patch on the jerseys like a drum or something that'd be pretty cool i think there's a lot of ways they can do it i'm sure they will they know they how how many organizations out there i I have not been to this many ballparks so i'm not i could tell you maybe someone in the comments can tell us on youtube or you can tweet at us if you're listening um if there's other stadiums out there that have memorialized fans, because I've been, let's see, I've been to PNC, I've been to Camden Yards, I've been to the National Stadium, and I don't, I have not seen anybody with a, a fan, an individual fan memorial in any of those stadiums. So John Adams is the only one I know of that has his own, like, area of a stadium dedicated to him. So, like, I know, like, what was it in Boston? Ted Williams has, like, a seat in right field. It's that red seat, but he's a player, not a fan. Uh, I'm sure there is somebody somewhere else that has something, but um, I'm sure it's not super common. So that'd, that'd be really cool. They, you know, they have his seat and, and the bleachers dedicated to him. They have the bronze, like you said, the bronze drum and the bleachers out in the, uh, in, the in Memorial Park. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope I hope they do a lot more this season. I hope it was family there. I was really hoping. You know, I, I had a feeling there was no way he was ever going to go back up to the top of the bleachers with his drum. He just, you know, his health the last couple of years didn't look like it was going to happen. But I had, had held out hope that, you know, he would get to uh, another game uh, with some help, but uh, not in the cards. I did ask for some people on Twitter. We didn't get a lot of response, but I felt like we could read some of these. Some people did respond. I asked if anybody wanted to share a memory uh, of an interaction with John Adams. We could share on the podcast just to kind of show everybody the the wide impact he had on fans. Cause you know, he, he was, he met a lot of fans over the years. I mean, he's been doing, he did this for a long time. So like almost 4,000 games, right? Yeah. So you want me to read those now or do you want to? Yeah, I think go ahead okay. and give them their moment. And then, then we'll, uh, we'll come back and talk about prospects after this. Okay. Well, first so we'll do Bill... these, then we'll do prospects. All right. So Bill Stearns on Twitter at WMSTS. Uh, John was an institution, made me proud to be a Cleveland fan. As a kid back in the 80s, I listened to the games on the radio and Herb score announcing John Adams drumming the background, pausing before the next pitch. It made the games extra dramatic. Rest in peace. And then had a really good one here from Sean Mernon uh, on Twitter. Got to meet him in a game back in 2018 against the Red Sox. Got a picture. He should have picture of us holding his drumstick. Really nice guy. Talked to him and his friend for a few minutes, even though his friend had a Red Sox hat on. So, uh, John Adams, not just friendly to Indians, Guardians fans, but friendly to uh, all baseball fans everywhere, clearly. So I'm sure there's a lot more. So if, if you missed the chance to, to share with us um, on Twitter before the recording this, this episode, you can always find the tweet and respond, or you can respond in the comments, and we can come back to them and read it again. I feel like this is something we can come back to, and we'll probably talk about again throughout the year, just because, you know, this is a... Uh, a very special person for the organization. Not often we get to talk about individual fans on here. And, uh, I wish I wish we were talking about it in a better circumstance. Like, hey, John Adams gets to come back to the ballpark. That you know, I wish that was the case, but um, not meant to be. I know some people were saying too, like, oh, they should have somebody drum every game next year in remembrance. I think they should just let that go with him. I think that was his thing. You know, they did pipe it in last time of year. I would see on the scoreboard they would have the drum up there and they would play the noise, but. Um, yeah, that was his thing. Don't try to recreate it, like you said. It was. It was I would. Organic. I would talk with the family. 
I would yeah. defer to the family's wish and that that's me personally. Like, you know, if, if John wanted it to continue, then I would continue it. But if he didn't state that he wanted to continue, I would let it go. That's my, yeah. my, my view. I defer it because I feel like something like that, he probably had a, a point of view on. So that's, that's yeah, my only they did have, they did have John, someone from the black keys do it. I think in 2021. Yeah, for, yeah. He did it for the home opener. He never did it after yeah. that. So yeah, I'd say just kind of let that be his lasting legacy. Totally. Uh, great human, great man. And, you know, he's every bit tied to this franchise in my lifetime as, as maybe I'll get myself in trouble with this as Wahoo, as like the name Indians was like John Adams was equally as much like a part of this team uh, in my lifetime. So it's, uh, you know, very, just my thoughts go out to his family. That's, that's my final statement. Like my thoughts go out to his family and however they want him to be honored. I say, let's honor him how his family thinks he'd want to be honored. Um, having said that, uh, we are going to come back and talk to top 100 prospect lists have dropped since we most recently chatted. Uh, they are diametrically different and will definitely give us some things to talk about. We're also going to get into some of your comments. Uh, the last podcast generated a ton of comments. So we will be getting into those comments uh, very soon on today's Lockdown Guardians. But first, we must... We get to discuss our brand new sponsor. I always love a new sponsor. And our fun new sponsor are our good friends over at FanDuel, uh, the number one sports book in America is FanDuel. Make every moment more at FanDuel.com. Uh, this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner. For Lockdown, they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that makes betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. Uh, I have not looked at the lines, if I'm being honest. Uh, my cat apparently has a, a thought on this here. But uh, I'd be leaning towards the Eagles. Unless it is a yeah. line after what we saw this past weekend. I'll just say that. I feel like it's hard to bet against that defense right now. Uh, I think it's a pick right now. Yeah, I would definitely go Eagles. Because uh, let's be honest, Kansas City got a little lucky. Uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Feel free. Oh, <laughs> so join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. For all the people that took our advice and bet on Joe Burrow and the Bengals, just know that I lost with you if you did that too. So don't feel too bad. I, I didn't win playing with Joe Burrow either, so. But you can win uh, when you talk about prospects uh, because this team is loaded. Uh, <laughs> I know some people complain, but like a lot of people for the most part like it. I have to give credit to Lamole because uh, he's the one I saw tweet at first, friend Mills Eyebrow, that I just love this fact that on the MLB list, the Cleveland Guardians have seven players on the top 100. The rest of the American League has American League Central has nine. So <laughs> that's, I thought, you know, leading off with that, Cleveland seven. The rest of the uh, American League Central, nine. So that's right. That's the rest. And that's with Kansas City and Detroit picking in the top 10 
every single year in the last decade almost. Um, yep. You know, I, I, yeah, Detroit picked 12th last year, but they'll be right back up there this year. Uh, and I'm sure Josh Young made it anyways uh, in that. So it's, but at the same time, so to chase the ladder, uh, because we've talked about, listen, I, Callis and Mayo, Mayo's one of the nice, both two of the nicest people I've ever met in this Very. business. You know, they're always at, we could probably get either of them to do the show. I just hate to bother them, but like they're very magnanimous. They're good people. They work their tails off, sit there and watch the draft. And they sit there and talk about guys on day three or four. Like they know most of these guys being drafted and it is the hardest draft to do that with. This is, you you know, the NFL, it's like people talk about, oh, it's amazing what Mel Kuyper can do. That ends after seven rounds. (laughs) You know, the MLB is now down to only 20. And, you know, they're commenting. So they have an impossible job. They do such a good job. But there is a lot of recency bias in their rankings. This is my my long way of doing yes, but so Chase the Lotter up there is not a surprise. It is interesting that, like, Rokio is the second to last on this. And in Keith Laws, he is number one. Uh, but all three of the big three are in there. Bo Naylor. It's it's the same guys between lists, except for the Lotter isn't on the law list. And maybe there's someone else. From uh, blanking on who's in Law's list, I think he might have had set. Maybe it was only six. No, nope, that was everybody. Through. Yeah, that was everybody. Yeah, I don't, so yeah, he had six. MLB has seven. Uh, it is also funny to finally see Tanner Bybee kind of being universally a top one hundred guy. Uh, you and I probably disagree at the placement, but do you want to talk this MLB list first? Yeah, that was the first one. I, yeah. I have really, I don't have a whole lot of bones about it. I mean. I, it depends on how you feel about things. Everyone's different. We'll talk about this to Keith Law list too, because everybody looks at it differently. The teams look at it differently. Um, you know, if you're if you're basing it on just pure upside and ceiling, it looks pretty good to me. I, although I guess if, if you're looking at purely with upside and ceiling, I guess Chase Slaughter wouldn't be 82nd. He wouldn't be seventh on the Guardians list. I don't know. If I think that were the be, case. I think if you're just going pure ceiling, fourth, yeah, third or fourth. Third or four. It's I don't know. If we're just talking ceiling, pure ceiling, I think it's to me just pure ceiling. It's Espino, Williams, Delara. I don't know. Pure, pure ceiling. Like we're talking about pure ceiling. I would uh, say Delauder has a has a has an argument for second in that. Or in, I think in, I don't know. I think he's like ceil, even ceiling. He's like you're hoping. Okay. So one of the comments is, "What's fifty and fifty-five mean? Fifty means average yeah. in a scouting scale. Fifty-five is." hair above 60 is plus you know yeah. so average above average plus i like, like the okay. ladder has a lot of skills that are kind of i think a lot of people even projecting were like maybe like his high end is plus he might be closer to 55s whereas valera like might have 70 grade power if you're going ceiling that's where i kind that's of see true. like that's why i think valera might because i feel like that power could be enough to put him higher like he's the guy well, you're- where while, while you're on the on the topic of grades, like yes, if you're talking about a fifty, like who 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 is a player that's a fifty? People would know. Like to me, in my mind, if you're Ned saying Rosario. fifty, is a fifty, right? That's exactly how yeah. I was going to go. He's he yeah. is an, a good average player. He is uh, not above average. He's not a star. He's not below average. He is just decidedly an average player. And, and honestly, that's a good outcome. Like if you look at top hundred lists. Um, Someone asked about Nick Senzel in our rankings, the guy who is a, I believe, a multi-time top ten overall prospect. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of guys who appear in top of hundreds that are like fifty grade okay. prospects. Like you have, you've got you know a lot of sixties. There's very few seventies over the years. You don't see a lot of seventies. There's a few. 
you got a lot of 60s, um, 55s, but most top 100 lists, like you get mostly 50s in the, in the uh, back half, the last like 30, 20, depending on your who's doing the list. Like if you're conservative, a lot of 50s make top prospect lists because an average outcome for a uh, any prospect is good. If you're an average everyday, and this is talking about people who play every day, not just like a a guy who like is a a guy who plays two to three days a week or is a platoon player because those guys are often forty fives. Like Jordan Luplo to me was a forty five, and um, heck, I don't even know Josh Taylor might even be a forty five just because he doesn't hit lefties. But the guys who can play in your lineup every day and and do good good work for you, like Ahmed Rosario, like he's not going to be flashy or special. So I think everybody. And yeah, everybody that made the list for Cleveland on the pipeline list, except for no, everybody, they're all 55s. Espino's 55 and Delar's 55. So none of them got 60 grades. They're all 55, which I think is, it's a, like the upside for Valera, not for, I'm sorry, not for Valera, the upside for Espino is 60. Like that's yeah, all star. Like, I'd be tempted to put a 60 on him because it's just, it's, uh, yes, I know there's some concerns with the third pitch, but it's like, it's health, right? Like, yeah, it's believe, all you know, health, yeah. MLB released uh, today, or maybe it was also after the time, they released like their top overall tools. So like not just best defender of position, like best defender, best, you know, power. It's like the only person I believe who got two tools was Espino, and that's fastball and slider, both being 70 grade pitches. Like right. there aren't a lot of guys, period, with 70 grade, two 70 grade pitches. No. And he got a 50 for a change of potential. Yeah. I also think that's pretty generous too. Yeah. Because I haven't seen a 50 grade change of like everything is above average for Williams except for his control. Um, there's a big discrepancy too. We won't. We're not going to talk about the Fangraphs lifts too much, but we can probably talk about that later in the week because yeah. Fangraphs top uh, rankings also came out. Big disparity in George Valera's like hit tool and everything there is average. Power is is 60. Um, I could make an argument that Bo Naylor is their best position player prospect, honestly, because of positional value. Like even if he is just an average defender, like let's say that, you know, he's not the best blocker or the best framer. Like he's okay. If he can control the run game, you know, if he's, he's got a good arm. If he can make sure he throws out like league average, uh, stealing, stealing attempts and he hits the way we think he can. That's a lot of value because the, the bar for a catcher is so low. Like, there are not a lot of catchers out there that are producing three to th- two or three win seasons. Like I looked the last couple of years, there's only like 20 or 30 catchers the last three years that have had a, uh, a war of third of three or higher. And, and most of them are, that consistently is rare. Exactly. So if, if Naylor, if, if anything goes according to play with Naylor, if he just hits like 20 homers can steal 15 bases, can get on base and plays average defense and throws out guys in an league average clip. Like you're talking about, a very good player there because that's a huge outcome for a catcher. Right. So I could argue that he's their top position player prospect because the bar is a lot lower for them. Um, it just depends on how you want to look at it. Like Rokio was law's top prospect among the guardians. I, I was very surprised to see that. That is not, uh, not what I expected to see, but the, and the outcome for shortstops is a lot ha- harder because, there are a lot of shortstops on these lists now. A lot of guys are, are a lot of teams are targeting shortstops. The defense is also demanding, but um, you can get away with less bad as a catcher. I feel like you can get away with less bad at shortstop if you're a great defender, but I think the, the threshold for good offense at catcher is a lot lower than it is for 
a shortstop. There, there are still, if you're a shortstop and you want to be a top, you know, he's a top 30 prospect according to Keith Law, you've got to hit. You can't just be a glove-only shortstop, whereas if you're a uh, okay hitter and a good defender, a catcher, you know, you're more likely to have a bigger impact. So I think I'm just surprised to see him that high. I think Keith, having read that, like believes that he's going to have above average to plus power. Like that's the big thing with Rokio. Uh, he he mentioned like that he is going to hit for power and mentioned that like, I can't remember how I phrased it, but it made it sound like he thinks that, you know, it's going to be plus potential plus power. Uh, in there. Uh, the the one thing I'll say, am I crazy to think that Bo Naylor, you know, on top of positional value, where catching is like, you know, the holy grail of, of baseball, it's impossible to find. Am I crazy to think that Bo Naylor, early in his career, can be a 2020 guy, potentially? I mean, like... Yeah, I mean, there's only been that, two. Yeah, and he does... He is... Normally, when I say like 55s across the board, that's not a compliment, but with him, it is, because I think they're legitimate 55s. Like, sometimes we... Like for a long, George Valera is a fascinating prospect because when he first got signed, uh, you can go back and you can look at those scouting reports where it was like plus hit tool, plus hit tool. It's like at the beginning, I'm like, what he has done doesn't show that. Like, and not to say that it's a negative. We've talked about this. There's a lot of Carlos Santana to him. And if he turns into Santana, then you've got a plus starter for a decade, which is great. So, but, uh, you know, it's interesting from the perspective of seeing like, sometimes we get these tools put on players when, especially with like a hit tool, it's really hard to judge in the lower minors where you're basing it sometimes on, on a, a look instead of a ability. And I think it's just one of those things as these guys move up, we get to know them better. And I will say the one thing with law is he does tend to stick with his dudes. Like I feel like if he does it, just missed it. Jose Tain, Tana's name will come up, even though he's not sniffing ours. Like he's someone who's been on Tana. Tana has been in his top 10, like since Tana was in like in low Arizona. ball. Yeah, like he has been a, like Keith sticks to his dudes and he has very specific approaches and he does everything very differently, uh, which leads to an interesting list. It's always interesting to read a Keith Law list. We'll come back and talk a little bit more about this. Uh, we have so much to unpack. Also getting into some comments about prospects, about the outfield, about Bally uh, on today's Lockdown Guardians. But first, uh, I get to talk about, I, I know I shouldn't say this, my favorite sponsor. And those are our good friends over at Built Bar. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Uh, most of the bars have, on average, about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to wait for your box anymore. Uh, we've been talking about ordering them from Built.com. We can use that promo code LOCK15 to save 15%. But you can also get them at Walmart or Sam's Club. Head to Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section because they're good for you, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. I would recommend the reverse order, coconut puff, double chocolate, then cookies or cream. If you're close to Sam's Club, you can go in and get a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Churro is a favorite of mine. I highly recommend that. Go to Built Bar today. Uh, remember the promo code if you order online is locked 15. That's what I use to save 15% on all of my orders and you build up bonus points as well as heading to Walmart or Sam's club. Best protein bar I've ever had builtbar.com. Uh, so back to the top 100 list, we did get a question in our comments that talks about Gavin Williams. So should we discuss that one? We discussed a little bit before about his, 
uh, from Alonzo Gish, I believe, was commenting that uh, why are people not commenting on the fact that there was a bump for Gavin Williams in terms of his FIP and his, uh, his hard hit data when he got to AAA or AAA, when he got to AA from high A. First, you expect those to increase. Like the jump to AA is probably the second most significant jump outside of the jump to the majors. I've even heard people in the past argue it is the most significant jump through the minors. It is the biggest um, narrowing of talent at any level. That is the first thing that's going to separate the ball players from the bat boy. I don't know. I don't have a good analogy to put on that one. Comment below with how I can, you know, yeah. But the. Who's going to say that? There we go. Justin's got it. But if you got a good ones, comment below. Can I separate the bat boys from the, the MLB players from the future coaches? But uh, yeah, I uh, uh, so you expect a bump, but I'll leave the rest up to you because you actually did a little bit more of the as we we're chatting on air. You have a better covered than I. Well, I think first of all, too, I think I think the, the lost season in 2020 and I think the elimination of short season ball has made the jump to AAA even tougher. And yeah. I don't know, I think even the different baseballs, as we found out in AAA from AA, has made things tougher too. So I think it used to be if you got to AA and you did well, you pretty much were set. You still kind of are, but I think the jump to AAA has gotten a lot harder and there's a bigger gap between major leagues and AAA than there ever used to be. AAA used to be like a holding pen for guys who, and it still is for guys who are kind of hanging on, they're, they're serving as depth, but you don't have a lot of prospects in AAA anymore. Like, Guys who the best prospects at the AAA, and then if they're good, they're going to the majors. They're not staying at AAA too long. Not a lot of guys are playing well in AAA and marinating unless um, there's just a huge blockade. But or as far they, as Williams, yeah, they're struggling and came back down. Yeah, if they went up, they struggled the first time and came back down. You know, Jared Kellenix and all that kind of stuff. Um, Jose Ramirez even even had that issue as well. Andre Semenes. Yeah, Andre Semenes is a good example of that. No, but so the the uh, Williams thing is an interesting point, actually, because his FIP, and for those who don't know what FIP is, is fielding independent pitching, and uh, I won't do the math because I quite frankly can't do the math, but I will just tell you fielding independent pitching is strikeouts, walks, and home runs. And I think hit by pitch is also included in this. Any, basically, it's anything that a pitcher can control. A pitcher can't control uh, a batting average on balls in play. It can't control if a fielder makes an error, all that kind of stuff. Although I think I think uh, this takes errors out of it too, but basically anything a pitcher can control or is is included in FIP. So um, often, oftentimes, if your FIP is lower than your ERA, that means that you're doing pretty good. But if it's over your ERA, then you know maybe you're unlucky. It's it's hard to say. There's not a whole lot of uh, certainty to it, but it just takes out all the stuff that pitchers can't control. And, and Williams FIP went up in Akron compared to High A and. Like Jeff said, that's to be expected. But really, it's because Williams didn't allow any home runs at high A. He allowed nine in, in double A. Uh, the strikeout rate went down a little bit. The walk rate ever so slightly went up. Um, and more fly balls. Like So there are more more guys in double A were lifting the ball against him, which is not, un, not, not surprising at all. You know, more fly balls, more home runs. That's, that's kind of hand in hand. So. Not, not totally unexpected there. I, I'm not really worried about it per se, but you know, you get to double A and the hitters are better. They can, they have a plan at the plate. They can identify pitches better. They take good pitches off the plate uh, that are maybe borderline strikes or balls or stuff that guys will swing at in the low A or high A. Uh, that can 
make you go longer in counts, can lead to more walks. But also, um, I think Williams also had a lot of non-competitive pitches last year watching his starts. Like, there were times where he would just go 3-2 in a count, and, like, three of the pitches weren't anywhere near the zone. It was like he'd be ahead 0-2, and, and he'd throw a three pitch, two or three pitches in a row where it's like the guy's not going to swing at this, even if it was low A or high A. So um, I'm not worried about it, though. I mean, that's going to happen. And it was a short sample. I think the one game he had, he allowed three home runs in, too. So I think it'll be fine long-term. I thought um, one of the more interesting takeaways, actually, from Law's piece was that, you know, it's it's a very small sample because, you know, number of lefties you face. But still, that lefties had 100 points higher on-base percentage mm-hmm. and 200 points higher slugging. So we'll have to see if that bears watching because that's a significant uh, split. But... To me, that's all change up too. That's all yeah, change up because it's not very good right now. Like he's he's relying kind of more of a two pitchy guy. And in, in my understanding, of what I saw, it's like fastball slider, and then he needs a third pitch. The curve is the curve is good. He can back he can back foot both pitches. The curve and the slider. He might. I mean, he might be one of those pitchers that doesn't really have a great change up. There, there are examples of guys who can get left-handers out without using a changeup, but you have to have a good slider to play against righties, and you kind of have to use the curveball against lefties very effectively, too. That can work um, if the changeup is just a show-me pitch to the lefties. Like, I think Tristan McKenzie does a good job of that. You know, he doesn't have a great changeup, but the slider has gotten better. The curveball is obviously his bread and butter, and his changeup has never been a great pitch. I'm trying to think of other examples, but... Um, there are guys that can do it. It can happen, but it's it's definitely, it's a harder road to travel. It can work for Williams too. As long as his fastball command is good too. You've got to command the fastball and you've got to put it at the top of the zone where guys can't get under it too. That's the biggest issue. I think is he probably had a lot of, um, I'll go back and watch some more video, but I probably had a lot of fastballs that were in the fat part of the zone. He's got to avoid that at the big league level. So I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize this till now because I, you know, I didn't, I didn't look at the order of the list so much as I was reading the reports, but he had Bybee above Williams, which I thought yeah. was interesting. You and I both um, are high on, yeah, pretty high on Bybee. I think mostly because of the, I mean, he had uh, Bybee the in the health. overall. Yeah. And that's the highest he's been anywhere. He's been in every top hundred so far. Um, let's come out. Let's see. Pipeline, uh, pipeline. Fangraphs has another top hundred, but who knows when that'll happen. Um, okay, uh, Kylie McDaniel has not his top 100, but we have Pipeline, we have Baseball America, we have Athletic. Baseball um, Prospectus? Baseball Prospectus on top 100. He he was not in Baseball Prospectus' top 100, actually. They only had two players in their top 100. They only had, I think, Valera, not Valera. I think they had Espino and, I don't know, I think it was, I think it was four. Espino, Valera, and might have been DeLauder. That might have been it. I don't think they had biting the top 100. Um, so, like, again, I really like Chase DeLauder. I was like him a lot, but it's so weird the number of people that placed him super high when you're basing it off the cape almost entirely. Like, it's so weird yeah. to me. So, um, the tools are certainly there, but I, I'll be curious to see what he can do. Depends uh, on who sources the list, too. Because, like, yeah. all these outlets, here, here's the secret sauce for these top 100s. All these outlets have connections with the front office, right? Yeah. Pipeline, they're talking to guys. Keith Law talks to front office people. Eric Long and Hanging from Fangraphs talks to people. Baseball Prospectus, they have people who work for MLB front offices now. 
they are all talking and sourcing their lists, like saying, hey, what do you think of this guy? Should this guy be higher or lower? Should he be on the list? And that also allows teams to have some influence on how these guys are ranked, too. Um, so surprise when you see certain guys rank certain places because the teams have some influence. So and I that also like- plays into it as well. When I used to do that, like when I would sit there and, and check with some people and do that, that is it was detrimental to my lists. Honestly, yeah. like going and asking for the inside opinion was never helpful uh, in my draft list. It always led to me making poor choices. Like it, <laughs> it always, always, always was a it's poor choice. Undue influence. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk more prospects, take some of your comments and comment on them. Uh, in the after show so make sure to tune in into that i want to thank you all for listening rating and reviewing friday show did huge numbers so let us know what you liked about friday's show in particular uh we'll probably talk some more of the valley sports in the after show as well uh, again thank you all uh we'll be returning to five days a week this month mu- in february so keep your ears and eyes tuned second for week. that second and, february. Uh, well or, or third depending on if you count this as part of the week of february or not <laughs> Oh, okay. We'll we'll just tell them it's going to be we're back to full schedule back on the week of the thirteenth is when we yes. So we'll so have two more weeks of three days a week coming. That up. week might be just four days a week, depending on some schedule. Yeah, we'll be, but we'll be back to mostly a full yeah. schedule. So you'll you'll get three episodes this week. You'll get three episodes next week, and after that you'll get at least four, and then after that it's five. And yeah, yep. We will. We're coming back. There. We're coming back strong. But uh, again, thank you all, and go go Guardians, go.